Katie's smartphone rings and she grumbles as it wakes her. She reaches but fails to grab it. She sits up in bed and looks at her phone. Emile's name is on the screen. She has not spoken to her foster brother in years. After the story of the man in the red shoes, Emile had stopped talking to her altogether. She could not figure out why he would be calling her after avoiding her for so long. She goes to answer the phone call right as it stops ringing. She attempts to call him back, but only reaches his voicemail. Hello, you've reached Emile Gonet. I'm not in right now, but you can leave your name, number, and a brief message, and I will get back to you. She hangs up the phone and tries again. She waits after each ring and begins to worry. Same voicemail. Same energetic stranger. Beep. Uh, Emile, it's Katie. It's been a while. I think you might have called me on accident? I got a call from you around 3 a.m. Anyways, I hope you're doing okay. I miss you. She hangs up and lays back down. Katie is restless after Emile's call. It brings back feelings of rejection and abandonment. He had cut her off like this before. As a child, Katie used to suffer from night terrors. At one point, they became so severe that Emile would not approach her for weeks out of fear. He seemed to drop off when things became uncomfortable for him. It was his usual pattern. She exhales and rolls onto her side. She waits for sleep in the darkness. Months later, Katie is getting ready for a meeting with a publisher. With precision, she applies her oxblood lipstick. She was holding on to no illusions about how this meeting would go. She knows the city could make you a star overnight, or it could eat you alive. She always had the impression that what governed the city was akin to an indifferent beast which was always hungry. For every gift it gave, it expected something in return. She once blindly followed her brother in the past to Los Angeles because she had always clung to Emile. He made her feel safe, and like she was not alone in a world that felt so very strange to her. So when Emile stopped talking to her, changed his number, and locked her out completely, she just accepted that it was because she had very little to offer him. Their entire lives, she had been holding him back because he was always looking out for her. He knew he had a greater destiny, and she herself had no sense of her own. Nope. Katie learned early on to look past the false promises this city made. When she discovered that the man in the red shoes, her book, had caught the publisher's attention, it immediately created unease within her. It was a story she had written based off an event Emile had told her about. It became the marker for Emile's abandonment. It was a story about a party that had gone terribly wrong. After hearing him tell it, she had questioned if all the drugs and partying had finally gotten to him. In paranoia, after he told her the tale, he made her promise not to speak of it to anyone, ever. She agreed because it seemed like it was the only thing that would calm him down. This was not the kind of story that people would believe, yet it took residence in her memory, and it made its home there, haunting her. Years later, she was compelled to write a fictional story about it. The party was exclusive and had been thrown by a very selective crowd. Normally, it would be difficult to get into a party like this, but Emile, Asher, and Nadia were no ordinary people. They all had qualities that set them apart from the crowd. 
as if they had been blessed by some divine power and were granted all the gifts that most of us had been shortchanged. This created a great deal of jealousy in people towards Emil. People loved to dislike and even hate him. However, Katie herself loved to be around Emil. She loved to bask in the warmth he gave. There was something about his presence that made her feel safe. It also gave her hope. But hope for what she could never figure out. Emil could grasp at anything he set his mind and heart to. Only this time, it did not serve her brother well. The man in the red shoes. Emil, follow me. Asher whispered as he quickly walked past. Emil made it a point to not look at Asher as he walked into the men's restroom. Earlier in the night, Asher, Nadia, and Emil were doing blow in a bathroom stall. Emil was assuming that Asher could not handle his shit. Asher had been in the scene longer than Emil, but it was Nadia who was the one who really got them into this party. Nadia turned heads everywhere she went. They both knew it was only a matter of time before she would make it. Asher went into a stall and Emil followed. Emil closed the latch behind him. That is when he noticed that Asher was trembling. His clothes were in disarray and his white dress shirt had what only could be... Blood? Asher, why is there blood on your shirt? Asher became ill and vomited into the toilet. His sobs cut through heaves. Emil's color drained from his face at the immediate change in his friend. Asher, what the fuck? You need to keep it together, man. This is it. We got into this party. Where's Nadia? Asher was crying over the toilet. Emil relented and tried to clean Asher up with toilet paper as he waited for him to calm down. The bathroom door opened and Asher looked up in terror. Someone immediately tried to open the locked door. When the stranger's first attempt failed, they tried again. Emil looked at his friend and held his hand up to signal for Asher to calm down. Hey buddy, I'm trying to take a shit here, do you mind? Have some fucking patience! Last time I checked, there were four other stalls open for fuck's sake. The man stopped fiddling with the door. Emil listened as the man checked every stall before exiting the bathroom. What the fuck is going on? Asher's eyes started wildly from side to side. They... They took Naughty and I to the rooftop. Fuck. Asher choked back to sob. Emil put a comforting hand on his shoulder. There were candles everywhere. Symbols drawn onto the ground. An altar. But something was burning under it. I think it was human. I never got close enough to tell, but I'm almost positive. And four men stood around the fucking thing. They kept telling Nadia she was special. Some shit about a final initiation, and their summoning would be successful? Nadia just looked at me. She was horrified. Just before this, she had told me that they had offered her a contract. They made her do some weird shit, but you know how some of these guys are? They get weird. I could tell she had no fucking clue what was going on. She just wanted the role. She grabbed my hand and we tried to leave. Asher hung his head low and began to sob. Emil grabbed him and looked at him with piercing intensity. It's okay, Asher, please. Just tell me what happened. They grabbed Nadia and dragged her to the fucking altar. They punched me in the gut when I tried to stop them. They restrained me by forcing my head to the ground. They gagged Nadia to muffle her shouting. It got cold. I could hear my heart pounding. Suddenly, something else was there with us. Terrified, 
Nadia started to resist more violently. Her muffled screaming became hysterical, and then the sounds began. Thickening sounds, tearing and crunching. Nadia's screams became unbearable every time I heard that awful fucking sound. They killed her, Emil. In the worst fucking way a person could die. When it was done, they approached me. Gravel crunched, just like Nadia's bones. I was pinned, and all I could make out were his shoes. Red shoes. The man fell onto all fours like a fucking animal, and started... started to smell me. That made me the most afraid. It spoke to me, and the sound of it made me sick. It said, Where there is one, the others are sure to be. Not this one, but I smell another. It told them to release me and watch. After that, it quickly lost interest in me and left. The men picked me up. I looked to where Nadia was as they took me away. All that was left were broken bones and mangled flesh. It made me so angry, I hit one of the men and broke his nose. His blood got all over my shirt. He punched me hard in the gut and dragged me down the stairs. They said if I told anyone about what happened, they would kill me. And they pushed me out the door and slammed it shut behind me. Emil, we need to get the hell out of here. It was smelling me. Like it was looking for something. Emil, what if it was looking for you? Me? Asher, have you lost your fucking mind? Do you even know how crazy this shit sounds? I know how it sounds, but you know me. Why would I make this up? Promise me you didn't hurt Nadia. I promise you I would never hurt Nadia. We need to get out of here. Emil took Asher's arm and led his shocked friend out of the stall. When they exited the restroom, they saw that all the guests were panicked. A woman grabbed onto her husband. They say she just jumped out the window. That she was high on drugs. With alarm, Asher looked at Emil. No. Emil, you know that's not true. Emil pulled his friend closer. There's one thing I know. It's I can smell bullshit miles away. I know you're not lying to me. We need to get the fuck out of here. Curve up your shirt. We need to get to an exit while everyone's distracted. As they moved through the crowd, Asher noticed several pairs of red shoes, and he became panicked. Emil turned around to see why Asher slowed down. Asher, what the fuck? Red shoes. Most of these people are wearing red shoes. Emil saw them. He rushed Asher to the elevator. They were able to squeeze in amongst the panicked guests. However, before the door closed, an older man entered. His back was turned to them. Emil took notice of his gray hair, black suit, and black rimmed glasses. With a shaky hand, Asher pointed to his shoes. The man wore red leather shoes. Emil could see that everyone save for this man was distressed. The man was unnaturally composed. They reached the main floor and Emil was relieved to see that the strange man was leaving. As the man exited, he stepped outside the elevator, but he stood there very still and didn't move any further. His back was still turned toward them. Finally, the elevator door closed and Emil realized he had been holding his breath the entire time. He looked at Asher. Asher had wet himself. They rushed to the car. Emil slammed the driver's door and in panic looked around. Asher wrapped his head in his arms and cried wholeheartedly. 
Emil waited for him to calm down a bit and then drove to leave the garage. He paid the woman at the window who kept a keen eye on Asher. You must have heard about the woman who jumped out the window. Take a left if you can. The other side of the street is completely blocked off. Emil nodded at the woman as she handed him a receipt. Thanks. Emil dropped Asher off at his house. Asher was still a mess. Are you gonna be okay? Asher looked at Emil as if he was nuts. No. Asher, I do want to talk about this, but I have to get sober and rest. This was a fucked up night. Let's talk about it tomorrow when we're both sober, okay? Asher nodded in defeat. Emil watched in his rear view as he slowly drove off. He could see Asher walking with his shoulders slumped towards his house. When Asher reached his doorway, he found a pair of red shoes placed upon the step. Shortly thereafter, he disappeared. You're listening to Scintillating Stories, featuring Mother Death, Part 1, written by Stephanie Alia, adapted for radio play by Ghislaine, featuring the voices of Ghislaine, Ryan of Intervision, Gia LaDolce, Gabriel Huerta, and Stephen Farbman. Edited by producer Ryan, produced by Intervision Entertainment and What Happens After 2AM, with music provided by Nightbloom Music and Worldwide Spies. Check out Nightbloom Music on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and on www.nightbloommusic.com. Artwork for the Scintillating Stories logo created by Lindsay Payton. Take a look at her other projects. She's amazing. Catch more shenanigans from Intervision Entertainment on Spotify, iTunes, Podbean, and YouTube. And of course, on our website, intervisionentertainment.com, where you can also buy tickets to catch Scintillating Stories live in San Diego. Oh, and please find us on all the social media apps you use. We're there, and we're looking for you. Finally, help keep the vision alive and consider donating as low as $1 a month to Intervision Entertainment on Patreon.com.